the book of the Revelation in chapter number 19. We're going to begin this morning. We're continuing our series on this idea that we can overcome. And just even in theory, that's a wonderful thought, that we can overcome uh, these various things that we face in life. And we started in week number one, we talked about overcoming difficulties. And uh, we looked at the 911, spiritually speaking, Psalm 91 and verse number one. And we looked at that whole psalm. Uh, but I want to encourage you to keep that at the ready as your go-to passage. When you're facing difficulty and uh, the storms of life, go to Psalm 91 and verse 1 and following, and uh, that will be an encouragement to you. Secondly, we talked about, uh, last week we looked at what Jeremiah said, and we talked about overcoming disappointments in our life, and every one of us have dealt with disappointments. And uh, today I want to talk to you about this idea of overcoming discouragement. Discouragement, uh, and I would even lump in here with discouragement, worry and fear, because Worry can be a discouragement. Fear can be a discouragement. And so when we think of discouragement today, I want you to, in your mind's eye, to be thinking about discouragement, worry, and fear. And look with me, and we're going to see a principle here in the book of the Revelation, chapter 19, beginning in verse number 1. Read along with me. And the Bible says, And after these things, John writing, he says, I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Hallelujah. Salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. For true and righteous are his judgments. For he hath judged the great whore which did corrupt the whole earth with her fornication and hath avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. And again they said, Alleluia. And her smoke rose up forever and ever. And the four and twenty elders and the four beasts fell down and worshipped God that sat on the throne saying, Amen. Alleluia. And a voice came out of the throne saying, Praise our God, all ye his servants, and ye that fear him, both small and great. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thundering, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready, and to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints, clearly speaking about the church. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be in your house today, and Lord, we thank you for your word. God, as it speaks to our hearts today, I pray that your word would accomplish exactly that which you desire, that it would fall upon the good soil of our hearts and that it would spring forth into fruit that brings you honor and brings you glory. Lord, I pray that if there's somebody in this room, somebody that is watching online and worshiping, that has never entered into a, the greatest relationship of all, that relationship with you through your dear son, God, I pray that today, that you would open up their eyes of understanding that they might call out upon the name of the Lord to receive forgiveness of sin and to enter into that sweet fellowship with you. Lord, I pray for those that are here and watching and worshiping. God, those that are in the midst of discouraging times, and it seems like that's what we're all facing, discouragement and worry and fear. And Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts today to remind us that we too can overcome these times in our lives if we'll just put into practice the things that you desire. 
Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be acceptable in your sight. Oh, Lord, you are my strength and my redeemer. I give you the praise in advance for what you'll do. And I pray this in the precious name of Jesus and for his sake. Amen and amen. Well, again, we want to talk about overcoming discouragement today. And look with me in this short passage. I want to begin by looking at this. John, he's given a vision of things to come. And he's reminding us then of something that, quite honestly, I believe is crucial for us today. Right here today on August the 2nd, 2020, he gives us something that is vitally important for us today. In fact, he gives us a word of encouragement. In fact, we have tracks that have always said a word of encouragement. He gives us this word of encouragement. Look at verse number four. Because in verse number four, he tells us that even in the end times, notice it says right there, it says that God was sitting on his throne. I don't know about you, but that encourages me. That even as John's given a vision of future events and end times, guess where God is? Exactly where he is today, sitting high on his throne. And it's an encouragement, but look at verse number six. John tells us that what he heard, listen to what he heard. He says, I heard as it were the voice of a great multitude. Can you imagine the, the voice of God? You know, he says, I heard as it were a great multitude and as the voice of many waters and as the voice of a mighty thunderings saying, notice what this voice said, ah, said, hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. And when you read that last phrase, what you need to understand is that he's talking about our God who is omnipotent. He's all ruling. He's all powerful. He is sovereign. He's all powerful. Do you think that through the power of God we could overcome discouragement? I do. You see, because when I think about a God who is sovereign, it reminds me that he is uno, number one, first in position. It reminds me that he is first in power. There is none greater than him, and so we can trust him. He is supreme in authority, and I got good news for you. He is in complete and utter control. And then we say, well, daggone it, if he's in complete and utter control, why doesn't he just take care of my problems? Why doesn't he just take care of my discouragement, my difficulties, and my disappointments? And even when I struggle with depression, and we'll be talking about that next week, why doesn't he do something about it? Can I submit to you that he already has? He already has. He's done something about it. For God so loved the world. That he sent his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He's done something about it. The question is, are we listening? Oh, yes, my friends, during these unusual... Would, would anybody here agree? Because I know Baptist, it doesn't matter whether you're Methodist, Baptist, Episcopalian, or Spotted Trout. Nobody likes to raise their hand, but I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Like, I didn't even like to raise my hand in grade school. Would anybody agree that we are living in the most unusual and chaotic year in recent memory? Anybody agree? Is there someone who says, no, I don't agree. It's just fine with me, fine and dandy. No, these are crazy times that we are living in. And to be honest with you, things like discouragement and worry and fear, these are the tools these are the tools that the devil uses in his arsenal of weaponry to get us off track. 
Oh, and when we don't see things working out the way that we want or the way that we expect them to, remember last week we were talking about the difference between our expectations and reality. You know, I got married. By the way, tomorrow is my anniversary. 29 years, boo, headed for 30. Oh, headed for 30. I know you guys celebrate. Did you just celebrate it this past week or when is your anniversary? Do you remember, Darren, when your anniversary is? Yes, okay. We're headed for our 30th year of being together as husband and wife, and I'm excited, and uh, last night we did a little pinky promise. It's been a crazy time. She says, I didn't get you anything. And I said, I didn't get you anything either. Pinky promise. Well, the problem is sometimes we make pinky promises, and then when I give her something, she says, we made a pinky promise. <laughs> Oh, listen, God is so good to us, but it's unusual times that we're living in. And when things don't work out the way that we want or the way that we expect, a lot of times, here's what we do. We give up. We quit. We say, no, I'm done. I'm not going to serve the Lord anymore. I'm not going to read the Bible anymore. I don't believe that God is on his throne anymore. I'm going to do what I want. We give up on things that we know God wants us to do, spiritually speaking. Not only do we give up... Uh, these things like discouragement, worry, and fear, they can cause us, and I've seen it happen, they can actually cause us to become sick physically. I've seen people get physically sick over worry. I've seen people get physically sick in the midst of their discouragement. Oh, yes, these things take place. I've also seen people make a lot of sinful choices and bad decisions when they're struggling with discouragement and on and on. I think about all the things that, that are going on and and Denise, you posted, I watched Noah's message last week uh, and as he begins a new series up there at Liberty Church. And I was thinking about all the things that we're dealing with. And you think about it, uh, we're dealing with the do's, the don'ts, and the statistics surrounding coronavirus. And I'll be honest with you, I'm just as confused as you are because it's always changing. It's always changing. Uh, mask, no mask, goggle, no goggle. I mean, who knows what to do? That's why we have to walk by faith and not by sight. And by the way, I also believe that there's a fine line between faith and foolishness. Right? I'm not, a, I'm not a conspiracy theorist that says that I don't believe that there is a virus. But we have to be smart. And I don't, I don't say that because I know people from our church who have been through the virus. And so we have to be smart. Think about that. Think about renewed racial tensions that are feeding a frenzy in our country like it hasn't been done in 50 or 60 years. Violence and crime. People are taking advantage of that. And violence and crime seem to be soaring out of control. Lawlessness is running rampant. Lies are being published as truth while the truth, and you guys know this, I'm speaking to the choir, while truth is actually being ignored or rewritten or despised. We don't want to hear truth. And I said a few weeks ago, the reason that we don't want to hear truth is because we are living in the end times. I believe that. And the Bible says that at the end of time, that people will heap to themselves teachers, notice that, having itching ears. They don't want to hear the truth of God's word. They want to hear a feel-good, fancy-free message that says, I can go and do what I want, live how I please, sin whatever I want to do, and it's no big deal. So it shouldn't surprise us that we are living in the most chaotic of times. And at the end of the day, I put down in my notes, 
and I highlighted it so I didn't forget to tell you, at the end of the day, we wonder if God is aware of it all. We wonder if God cares at all. But can I tell you that he is aware and that he does care and he has provided for your discouragement. He has provided for your worry. He has provided for your fear, but we must take a hold of his word and his promises. Like I said last week, and I've seen, I've, I've seen a couple of posts on social media. Like I said last week, he has not abdicated his throne and turned it over to the devil or to anybody else. He's still on his throne. In fact, the Bible tells us over and over and over again that our God is good and that his mercy endures. Say that again. His mercy endures. When you feel discouraged, when you walk out of this door and it's going to happen, you'll get on the highway and somebody will cut you off and your first response will be anger. Just remember God's mercy endures forever. <laughs> when you get upset with a loved one, when, when things aren't going well in the workplace, just remember God is good and that his mercy endures forever. Someone has rightly said that God is always good when it looks like he's not. The problem is with me, not him. Oh, I like that. When it looks like he's not good, the problem is not with God. The problem is with me and the way that I see things. Look back, looking back at our text in Revelation chapter 19, it's important for you and I to remember that John was living in a world not so different from ours. You say, oh, it was much different. No, it wasn't. It wasn't much different from ours. I can see some things that are beginning to take place in our world that if we're not careful, we're going to find ourselves in a very similar situation that John found himself in. If you know his story... He's a prisoner of Rome. He was banished or exiled, if you please, to the Isle of Patmos, which oddly enough is closer to the, to the mainland of Turkey than it is Greece or, or Italy. And so he was banished and he's surrounded by the Aegean Sea. And the reality is you say, well, what, what took place? Well, the reality is that every year that Roman citizens would appear before an altar that was dedicated to Caesar. And so when they would appear, the idea is that they would have to come and that they would have to drop in some incense and declare that Caesar was Lord. Be careful. You think we're living in very different times. They're going to have to declare that Caesar is Lord, but instead, here's what John did. He said, no, I'm not going to say that Caesar is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. And the result was his arrest and his, his imprisonment and his exile. And when this took place, by the way, some of you senior saints, you're about where John was. He was an older man. He was banished as an older man. He was separated. Think about this. He's separated from all those that he knows. He's separated from everything that he loves. And he is suffering because, watch this, because of his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But in the midst of his discouragement, and we know this from the book of the Revelation. You know, John didn't get out to the Isle of Patmos and write a book about his, his personal woes. He gets out and he's led by the Holy Ghost to write about the end times in Jesus Christ. And so we see that even in the midst of his discouragement, John trusted Jesus, the Lord Christ, to see him through what he was facing. In fact, you may recall... In fact, if we have it, if you'll put up John 14, 27, you remember what Jesus said 
to his disciples. He told his disciples this. He said, peace. He said, peace I leave with you. Now watch this phrase. He said, my peace. Jesus says, okay, be, be, very, be very careful that you don't mistake my peace for the world's peace. He said, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. And then notice what he said to his disciples all the way back then. This is way before John gets to the Isle of Patmos. He says, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Worry, fear, discouragement. Oh, we have an answer. Remember Jesus told his disciples, he said, in the world you're going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer. He said, I've overcome the world. It's not going to be a big deal with me. You're going to be able to overcome these things. Oh, yes, John, he relied on the peace of God. As Philippians 4.17 reminds us, he relied on the peace of God to keep his heart in mind. It was the ruling authority in his heart. As believers, I want you to know that we can trust and we can have confidence in the protective hands of our great God and King. I was thinking of that old spiritual that used to, you know, we used to sing it a long time ago. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his, right? Got, he's got the little tiny babies in his hands. He's got you and me, brother, in his hands. And it goes on and on, right? He's still, think about this. By him were the world, was this world, this universe created. And by him, Colossians 1, 16 and 17 reminds us that it consists. It stays together. He sustains it. It consists in the hands of Almighty God. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. We can have confidence and trust in the Lord. I, I put down here the secret to overcoming discouragement, worry, and fear. It really begins... It begins by remembering this principle that John gives us in Revelation 19, 6, when he says, the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Think about those words, the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Today, you looking for peace? Anybody need peace today? The Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Anybody need joy? You looking for joy, joy, joy down in my heart? You remember those songs as a kid? I got the love of Jesus, love of Jesus down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. Where? Right? I've got the joy, 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 joy. You need joy today? The Lord God omnipotent reigneth. You need strength today? Keep telling yourself, the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. He is still right where he needs to be. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 6. In Isaiah chapter 6, this is an Old Testament, just a few verses. I want you to see this in the Old Testament. Think about it. Isaiah, when, when his world was falling apart, think about this. When we talk about chaotic times and unusual times, Isaiah's world was falling apart, right? And he was looking for strength in the midst of uh, unrest, if you please, in, in what was taking place in his day. And I think we can see a couple of things right here in Isaiah chapter 6. Look at verse number 1. Verse number 1 and following. Here's where you'll see it. It'll say, in the year that King Uzziah died. Now just hold on to that thought a second. And, and what I want you to know as we go into this passage, people loved King Uzziah. He was, he was, he was loved. He was adored. Now watch what it says. In the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah says, I saw also 
I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne. That's good news. <laughs> he was sitting on the throne. This is, this is hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus' birth. John just tells us at the end of times that he's sitting on his throne and years and years before Jesus' birth, he says, and I also saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face and with twain he covered his feet and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full not half empty, but full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. I don't know about you, but what a sight that must have been. Sometimes I get a little jealous. It's like, man, think about all these things these guys got to, to see and to experience. And, and, and Isaiah says, in the same year, that we were looking at our worldly circumstances in the same year that things were falling apart, earthly speaking, also I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up. Oh yes, Isaiah's earthly king was gone. His earthly king was gone, but he was reminded that his heavenly king was exactly where he had always been. And I don't know about you, but that's good news. For me to connect the dots between Isaiah, all the way to Revelation chapter 19, to be reminded of where our God is sitting. That's great news. Those on the earth in the southern kingdom of Judah were no doubt mourning the loss of King Uzziah. But in heaven, think about this, the angels were praising God. As the people of earth were hurting because of their earthly king passing away, the angels in heaven we're doing exactly what they're doing today. They're praising God. It was right there in verse number three. Look at it. Verse number three, it says, and one cried unto the other saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. I remember that song growing up in church uh, as a little boy. I remember page number three in the hymnal. And I don't know that it's in number three in our hymnal, but page three in the hymnal that I grew up using was holy, holy, holy. That old hymn of yesteryear. Oh, what a great reminder of God's holiness. Watch this. When Isaiah took his eyes, here's, you're dealing with discouragement today, you're dealing with worry, you're dealing with fear. Watch this. When Isaiah took his eyes off of everything that was going on in the earthly world, and he fixed his eyes on the Lord, who was high and lifted up, who was seated on his throne, it changed his life. It changed his life. You, and you say, well, how do you know that? Well, you keep on reading in the passage. You keep reading on the passage, and the next thing, Isaiah says, woe is me, for I am undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. And he has a right recognition of himself. But here was the thing. It took him seeing the Lord high and lifted up to change his focus from here to there. Ernie and I always talk about focus. This is what changed Isaiah's life. In the New Testament, over in Acts chapter 18, 
It's a similar story in the life of the Apostle Paul. And, and if you read that, you'll know that Paul, in chapter 18, he's gone to the city of Corinth. He's preaching the gospel. He's trying to establish a New Testament church. And when he arrives, he meets the, his fellow tent makers, uh, um, Aquila and his wife Priscilla. And, he, and if you read in Acts chapter 18, he begins reasoning in the synagogue every Sabbath. And, and uh, the results are not great. Just be honest, the results are not great. And when Paul and Silas arrive, you can read that uh, Paul feels pressed in his spirit to, to declare that Jesus Christ is Lord, uh, to declare that he is the Messiah, which I can tell you went over like a ton of bricks with those in, in the synagogue. And so at some point, though, what I know from Acts chapter 18 is that Paul got discouraged. And I can also reasonably prove to you that he was fearful in Acts chapter 18. Because in verse number 9 and 10 of Acts chapter 18, here's what the Bible says. It says, Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision. Notice what the Lord says to Paul. Be not afraid. Be not afraid, but speak and hold not thy peace. He's saying, listen, they don't like your message. You may be discouraged that they're not responding to the message, but I'm telling you, be not afraid. He says, hold not thy peace. Notice verse number 10. He says, for I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee. Watch the last part. For I have much people in this city. Do you see it? See, notice, when Paul took his eyes off of the wicked people of Corinth, when he took his eyes off of the continual rejection of the word of God, which he was sent to, to, to declare, to preach, when he took his eyes off of all of these circumstances and he fixed his eyes on the Lord and his promise of protection and provision, things changed. You'll notice if you read on in that text, the very next thing you read is that Paul, he stays another 18 months and establishes a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching, preaching church for God's glory. Listen, Paul realized that God was still on his throne. Later in Galatians chapter 2, I love in Galatians chapter 2, in verse number 20, the apostle Paul, he said, he, he declares these words. He says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, watch this, I bracket it. He says, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You see it? Paul, he's able to actually overcome all of his discouragement, his worry, his fears, everything that he was going through. And you say, well, I don't see that Paul was very fearful. Well, all you need to do is read 1 uh, uh, Corinthians, uh, Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. And you'll see that he went in much fear and trembling as he was preaching the word to those in Corinth. Notice again in verse 20, you see Paul's able to overcome because he understands and accepts the fact that God is at work in his life. It was, remember, he says it's Christ living in him. If you're going to overcome discouragement, folks, Christ must be living inside of you. He must be at work inside of your life. I cannot overcome discouragement on my own. I'm no match for worry. I'm no competition for fear. But when Christ is at work in my life, it's another story. 
You see, because it's not me overcoming discouragement. It's not me overcoming fear. It's not me overcoming worry. It's Christ that's overcoming. He's giving me the strength to do these things. Oh, yes, it's been said and it's been my experience that faith must always pass the test of discouragement. If we hope to overcome things like discouragement, worry, and fear, we need to stop trying to figure everything out on our own, in our own power, and in our own might. Isn't that what we typically do? I'm discouraged, so let me figure out a way to get out of this. We need to stop trying to figure it out on our own. We need to stop listening to uh, the rules of everybody else and start reading and adhering to the Word of God. Oh, yes, the only one worth depending on to overcome these things is Jesus. Truly, faith is the victory that overcomes the world. I said it earlier, but we've got to walk by faith and not by sight. I was reading earlier this week, and I came across this uh, in Proverbs 4, in verse number 25. In the Bible, simply, it's a very short statement. It says, let thine eyes look right on, and let thy eyelids look straight before thee. And some of you, uh, what's crazy is I read this passage and uh, some of you may or may not know that I have been struggling all week with my eyes. Uh, my left eye, and there may be a little ring under it, was puffed up and, and I felt I didn't know what was going on. And, and it was like about this far open. And then yesterday, <laughs> literally, this eye starting to feel better. And then yesterday, this eye started having a problem. And I was thinking about Proverbs 4.25. Look at it again. It says, let thine eyes look right on. And let thy eyelids look straight before thee. In other words, the Bible, God's word is telling you and me to continue to keep looking toward the path of truth and holiness. Struggling with discouragement and fear and worry? Let your eyes keep looking right on. Keep looking straight ahead. Don't look to the left. Don't look to the right. Just keep looking to that author and that finisher of our faith. Jesus Christ. Oh, listen, when discouragement comes, we would do well to make sure that our thoughts, that our words, and that our actions are based on the truth of God's word. You know, the idea of the word discouragement, it actually comes from the root word courage. You see what's happening here? The, the word discouragement comes from the root word courage. And so you see the prefix dis, the word dis means the opposite of. So if you're discouraged this morning, this is a hard truth. If we're discouraged, then what we're doing is we are operating in the opposite direction of courage, which is exactly what David knew because David declares in Psalm. He says, declares in Psalm 27, 14, he says, wait on the Lord and be of good courage and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Do you see it there? He says, be of good courage, and then he'll strengthen your heart. Exercise some courage. Stand up. Be willing to face whatever's coming your way with some courage, and then the Lord will strengthen your heart. It was Warren Wearsby who said, the remedy for discouragement is the word of God. When you feed your heart and mind with its truth, you regain your perspective and find renewed strength. Oh yes, my friends, ultimately when discouragement, worry, and fear stifle us, when they stifle us, and they do because I've been there, done that, 
and could probably write a few chapters in a book about discouragement and worry and fear. And I've communicated that to you before. I was a child, I was even fearful of the dark. When those things come our way and they seek to stifle us spiritually, emotionally, and physically and bind us up, can I tell you that ultimately the only cure, note takers, you ready? Here comes the big, the big wind up and the big lob. Ultimately the only thing that you and I can do is trust. Trust the Lord. Because without him, you'll not overcome discouragement, worry, and fear. I woke up on Thursday morning and I was reminded, that's crazy how I wake up and literally it's like I'm sleeping and I'm, I'm seeing verses in my head. And I woke up Thursday morning and I said, Isaiah 26 verses 3 and 4. I had already given my verses to the media team and I had to add this one in and I think it's important that you see it because Isaiah 26 verse 3 and 4 the Bible says this it says thou will keep him in perfect peace watch this whose mind is stayed on thee now right after that in my Bible there's a colon and I've said many times when you see a colon in Scripture Make a mental note of this or write it down, put a string around your finger, ask the question why. Ask the question why. Now let's read it again. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Why? Because he trusteth in thee. And if you go on to verse number four, it even confirms it more. It says, trust in the Lord for how long? Forever. For in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. Now, when I combine that and I look back to the principle that I see in Revelation 19, 6, where John says he heard the voice, as it were, of many waters and, and multitudes and on and on, saying, Hallelujah, the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. I think about, hold on a second. I can trust. I can trust a God who is first in position. I can trust a God who is first in power. I can trust a God who is before all things. And by him all things consist. I can trust him. I can't trust myself. And I love my wife, but I can't always trust her. I do trust her. But I can't trust her to help me overcome worry and fear and discouragement like I can trust God. Guys, let's be real. When the Lord is on the throne of our hearts, when he's on the throne of our hearts and lives and we're fully trusting in his power, that's when you and I will be able to overcome. And if you've been here over the past three weeks, you ought to be seeing the continuity between overcoming difficulty, disappointment, discouragement, worry, and fear. It's trust. It's trust. Oh, we can be strong and take courage because God will be with us even when we fail to recognize his presence. God is not the author of confusion. He's not the one to blame for all the atrocities and evil that we see taking place. That is the result of an age-old problem called sin. All the atrocities, all the evil that we see is not God's fault. I hear a lot of people say, well, if God loved us, if God loved me, if God did this for me, if he did this, he's given everything for you. Sadly, though, this country, this country and this world are reaping the results 
of not just 2020. We're reaping the results of years and years and years and years and let's just keep on going rebellion and sin. We're reaping the results of a country and a world that basically has thumbed their nose at God and wonder why things are all topsy-turvy. Folks, it doesn't work that way. Because there's a principle, and I know the passage is speaking about giving, but there's a principle in Galatians chapter 6 that reminds us that God will not be mocked. It says God will not be mocked. Listen, whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. Remember the principle, if we sow to the flesh of the flesh, we shall reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Can I ask a question as I, as I close this up? Do you know Jesus as your Savior today? Do you know him? Because you'll not overcome discouragement. You'll not overcome disappointment and difficulties and depression and worry and fear and on and on. Without Jesus, I don't know how people make it. I really don't. I don't know how, how it, without, a, without a faith in a God who loves us and gave himself for us, I don't know how people make it. So can I ask you today, if you're here in this room and you don't know him, I've got some great news for you. If you're watching and worshiping online, I've got some great news for you. God loves you. He cares for you. I quoted it earlier in the message, but it's very appropriate to say it again. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. If you don't know him, you can know him. You can trust him. You can receive him as your Lord and Savior today. And I can tell you he's going to do a much better job of dealing with discouragement than you will on your own. I think about what Jesus was saying to his disciples. You remember he was meeting with his disciples in the upper room and they had this discourse back and forth in John chapter 13 and Jesus is washing their feet and then we, by the time we get over to John chapter 14 in verse 1 and following, Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. There it is again. He says, guys, he's, he's getting ready to give them this great big discourse that's saying, guess what? The world is going to hate you. They're going to come after you. In John chapter 16, you can read it. In the beginning of John chapter 16, he says, they're going to hate you so much they're going to kill you and think they did the world a favor. But before he gets there, he says, let not your heart be troubled. He goes on, he says, you believe in God. Believe in me also. He says, in my Father's house are many mansions, and if it were not so, I would have told you. And then he says, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. He's saying to his disciples, saying, listen, you're going to have seasons of discouragement. You're going to be worried at times. You're going to be fearful at times. But let not your heart be troubled. Oh, I love you, is what he was saying. This is what he was communicating. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 2, the Bible encourages us by saying, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Today is not a day of judgment. Everybody ought to say amen and thankful for that. Today is not a day of judgment. It's a day of salvation. By the way, God has the ability and every right to judge us right now. He, he doesn't even have to snap his fingers. You know, he doesn't have to, he doesn't have to uh, do like ding, ding, like old Bewitched years ago, the old TV show. He doesn't have to do anything. 
He has the ability and every right to judge this old sinful world right now, but I don't know about you, but I'm thankful he hasn't. Because there's still people who need to hear that Jesus loves them. That's why it's so important that we tell them. Oh, listen, he's still on his throne. He's still extending mercy and grace to those who need forgiveness, to those who need to begin a relationship with us. 2 Peter 3, 9 tells us that he is long-suffering. He's patient. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Folks, judgment day will come, but today is a great day because it's a day of opportunity. It's a day of, of forgiveness. It's a day that you and I could make the choice. If you've never trusted Christ, you can make that choice to say, Lord, forgive me to, of my sin. Come into my heart and change me. Help me to overcome not only discouragement and difficulties and disappointments and worry and fear. Help me to overcome the world. Oh, and he'll do it. Oh, I pray that if you're here and you don't know him, that you'll trust him and receive him. But maybe you're a believer here today <laughs> and you're saying, man, you don't even know. It was a struggle just to get out of bed to get myself here. You don't even know. It was a struggle to get out of bed and, and to get to my computer or get to my TV where I could watch and worship with you online today. You, you don't even know, Pastor. I'm struggling with discouragement right now and I'm sitting in this room. I'm struggling with worry and fear and I'm watching and I'm worshiping online. I've got good news for you too. Just like I gave the good news to those who don't know Jesus Christ, I've got good news for you. And the good news is that if you're a believer, God loves you. He cares for you. If you've already trusted him, you're like, oh, well, thanks, that's great. No, it's a pretty big deal. It's a pretty big deal that we serve a God who loves us and cares for us. If you're struggling with these things, Paul, just like he told the church at Philippi in Philippians 4, he, God is saying the same thing to you and I today. In verse number six, Paul wrote, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Be sure to add some thanksgiving in your prayers. He says, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And notice what he says will happen. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Oh, my friends, you and I can cast our care on him, as 1 Peter 5, 7 says, we can cast our care on him because he cares for us. I put in my notes and really just the principle because in Ephesians 4, the, the place where it tells us this is talking about dealing with anger. And it says, be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath in verse 26. And then in Ephesians 4, 27, it talks about neither give place to the devil. Folks, the idea there is not to allow the devil to reign and to rule in your life. And if the Bible is speaking that in reference to our anger, I think that we could apply that principle across the board. Don't give place to the devil today. Don't, don't, don't throw up your hands and say, well, God, you just didn't hear my prayer. You didn't answer. Listen, when we pray, we have to ask in faith, believing that he hears us and that we're going to receive what we've asked. Oh, listen, my friends, don't give place to the devil. Make sure that Jesus is high and lifted up on the throne of your heart because when he is where he needs to be in our heart, you and I will be able to confidently say, as John did, Hallelujah, the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. All powerful, all ruling, sovereign God of the universe. 
is ready, willing, and more than able to help you and I overcome discouragement, worry, and fear. I pray that if you're here, you're watching, that you'll trust him, that you'll get into the word of God, that you'll, that you'll remind yourself when you're in need of peace and joy and strength and on and on, just say to yourself, the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. He's on his throne. I don't have to listen to the devil. I don't have to listen to the naysayers. I don't have to listen to the media. I don't have to listen to the angry people. I can listen to the voice of truth. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Oh, I pray that you'll make use of him today. Father, we thank you for the time that we've had in your Word, and God, I pray that you'll be with us as we close our service out, Lord. I pray that you will work in the hearts of those that are in this room, those that are watching, and certainly, Lord, I thank you for the opportunity that we've had to meet together today. Lord, I thank you for the music that was uplifting and allowed us to sing praises to you and to really, the music was a reminder of how good you are and how great you are and how loving you are. God, I'm so thankful that we have a friend in Jesus and Lord, I pray that if there's somebody in this room that doesn't know Jesus as their Savior, that right now, that they would simply ask the Lord quietly, unto themselves to forgive them and to come into their life and to change them from the inside out. And if there's somebody watching that needs to do that same thing, I pray that they would do that. It's not about a, a set of words or a curriculum, if you please, that we have to say or recite. But it's about that desire in our heart to be forgiven and to have a relationship with you. And that's through the work of the Holy Spirit. That's not something that I conjure up. It's not something that somebody else conjures up. It's something through the preaching and teaching of your word and the wooing of the Holy Spirit that takes place. So, so Lord, I pray if somebody is feeling that pressing from the Holy Spirit, that today might be their day of salvation. That they might, by faith, receive Christ as Savior. Lord, I pray that if there's somebody here that is discouraged and worried and, and fearful because of all the things that are going on, that today that they'll remember that, hallelujah, the Lord God omnipotent, that you do reign, that you are all-powerful, that you are first in position, you're first in power, and that they can trust you. They can rely on your promises for protection and provision, just like the saints of old have. God, I pray that you'll work in their heart and that you'll encourage them that will not walk away from your house fearful of what, what lies in the days ahead, that we'll be confident, that we'll be confident in our faith to know that you're still at the helm, you're still in control. Lord, I love you and I thank you. I pray that you'll dismiss us as we sing a song of invitation. I pray that you will, you will work in our hearts during this song. And God, as we go away from your house today, God, I pray that we'll go away as the salt and the light that we need to be to be an encouragement to somebody else in these unusual and chaotic times. Lord, we love you and we thank you and praise you in the precious name of Jesus. And for his sake, all of God's people said, amen and amen. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like more information about our ministry, check out our website at battlefieldbaptist.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We'll see you next time.